Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, adults, the young and the young at heart, and any pets stuck in the room where their owners are listening to this, it's time, once again, for the greatest show on earth that we're involved with. Here he is, live via telephone from the Off-White House in Kitchener, Ontario, the man you've been holding for, David Victor Sim! Hi, Dave. You know, if we had an audience, they'd be going nuts right now. <laughs> anyway, hi, Dave. Here we go again. And how are you doing, Matt? Uh, fine. Tired like normal because I'm, you know, working like crazy. Right. Right? All the running you can muster to stay in one place, as Alice said. Pretty much. The, the, the boss called me today and said, we need to ship 1,400 parts. And I'm going, okay. And I looked in the computer and we had 827 parts. I'm like, so we're not going to ship 1,400 parts today. Good to know. <laughs> a man's reach should always exceed his grasp or what is a working place for uh, okay, it's, uh, as you know here, it's, uh, my turn to remember Jeffrey Allen Seiler. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, long-time listeners will recall that Dave was remembering Jeff breaking quarantine with, uh, state approval. And, uh, the state in question is Minnesota, and the city in question was, uh, Minneapolis go to a karaoke bar and belt out throaty renditions of Debbie Gibson tunes. Um, and then parenthetically you add, I assume uh, Jeff never told me what his go-to karaoke songs were. Uh, newer listeners should pause here and listen to the August Please Hold for Dave Sim where Dave last talked about this. And all the other previous episodes until you're all caught up. <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, don't worry, we'll wait. Uh, anyway, this is your cue, Dave. And uh, actually, uh, as you'll discover, that ties in with uh, what were um, Jeff Seiler's go-to karaoke songs. And uh, I wrote I wrote notes on this one because this this uh, had uh, um, a distinct possibility of sprawling all over the place, and uh, I think this is going to turn out to be part two of my answer and uh, part three of uh, of my my recollection of Jeffrey Allen Filer. Uh, we'll 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 uh, round things off hopefully, uh, in December. But um, Jeff had acquired a uh, new black cat uh, that he named Yusuf and left me a phone message saying uh, that he had posed a riddle on a moment of Cerebus. And uh, do, do you remember this of uh, why did he name his cat Yusuf? Uh, it's ringing bells in the back of my head, but the box is empty. Well, there you go. That's really all I all I could hope for on that was uh, 
were going back a ways, and um, it was again that uh, uh, this is this is this this odd meeting place of Jeff Seiler um, thinking uh, in some way that only Jeff Seiler thought that uh, this was somehow relevant to a moment of service is. Um, um, uh, the the link to uh, to karaoke. Um, why would you? You know, we all have different parts of our lives. Why would you think that your karaoke experiences are of interest to um, um, a moment of service people? Uh, and so, explaining that, he he explained that. Uh, um, it had been in honor of Yusuf Mustafa, uh, whose songs he had been singing at uh, at, cor at karaoke. And uh, I'll, I'll make a, a, a metaphysical aside here that Cat uh, uh, Stevens stopped being Cat Stevens when he chose to become Yusuf Mustafa and devote himself to Islam. So it's a subtle but massive inversion of the truth to confuse Cat Stevens with Yusuf Mustafa. And alarm bells were sounding in my head at this point. Like, Jeff, why are you doing this? Or whoever you are, what have you done with Jeff Seiler and why are you doing this? Um, so uh, we, uh, Jeff and I spoke uh, the next day after he left this phone message that he was going to be posing this riddle on a moment of service. Why did I name my cat Yusuf? Um, and could I guess uh, why he named his cat Yusuf? Which is now getting even stranger because it's like you left me a message explaining to me why you uh, you named your cat Yusuf. Uh, do you know? Do you do you not remember that from yesterday? Uh, so sort of like playing along, but definitely going. Okay, this is now into um, very very strange borderline territory. Uh, you know, could I guess? Well, I said. You've been singing Cat Stevens songs at karaoke. So I'm guessing you named him after Yusuf Mustafa, Cat uh, Stevens' Muslim name. And it was, it was like definite uh, dead silence on the other end, uh, other end of the phone where it was, uh, it was like I, I guessed Rumpelstiltskin's name <laughs> and <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin was gobsmacked that I guessed that easily that that's why he uh, he named his cat Yusuf. Um, so it was like I'm going okay. This is this is now weird in at least four or five different ways. And uh, Rumpelstiltskin is gobsmacked that uh, that he is now busted. Um, so uh, all right, I will follow along with. Uh, uh, what else I think uh, is is the riddle here, the, the multi 
multi-leveled riddle that is now weirdly multi-leveled. But what the heck, you know, it's uh, you 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 ask me, so so I'll keep going here. Um, Yusuf is the Arabic version of Joseph, and Joseph is a uh, prominent figure in both the Jewish Torah and the Islamic Quran. Uh, Jacob's, Jacob's second youngest son and the eldest of the two sons that Jacob had by his, uh, his beloved wife, Rachel, as opposed to, uh, Leah, who, who was his not beloved wife and, uh, um, the two, the two handmaidens of Rachel and Leah, who, who we also had children with, who became, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, Surah 12 is entitled and is about Joseph. Um, and at that point, I went, okay, and that links to, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have the, uh, the actual verse at the time that I was mentioning this to, to Jeff, but uh, uh, Genesis uh, 37, 19, um, Joseph's brothers, um, said, uh, uh, said to one another, behold, this dreamer cometh is how it's translated in, uh, in the King James version. And, uh, parents said, in the, in the side, um, footnote, uh, in the King James version, the Hebrew says that, uh, instead of this dreamer, it's in Hebrew, it's the master of dreams. And it's like, well, okay, uh, that uh, in in my mind links to uh, Neil Gaiman and uh, the Sandman, who is you know Neil Gaiman being the Sandman riff guy. He didn't create Sandman, but he did a you know very very popular Sandman riff. And Neil didn't live in Minneapolis, but he lived near Minneapolis. I knew that because uh, uh, his store that he shopped at was uh, Dreamhaven in uh, in Minneapolis, and uh, that sort of links to um, uh, the fact that Neil. Uh, I asked Neil at some point, uh, you know, do you want do you want to be on the freebie list for service? He said no. He really didn't because uh, there was so few comic books that he was he was still reading that uh, having a subscription to Cerebus gave him a reason to uh, to go to to Dreamhaven and uh, and keep up with that. And then uh, at, at some point, Dreamhaven uh, became part of the uh, Dave Sim, the evil misogynist group. And uh, was no longer carrying Cerebus. So Neil had to say, uh, yes, could I please have a comp subscription to, uh, uh, to Cerebus? Which I was happy to do. So, so Neil was on the, uh, the, the comp list. Which in turn uh, links to the fact that uh, uh, Yusuf is a cat. And... Sandman number 18, uh, 18 being 666, was uh, the dream of a thousand cats, uh, which was Neil's 
feminism parable that uh, if uh, a thousand of whatever, in this case cats, dream that uh, um, cats can be can re restored to their uh, dominance in uh, uh, in the world, uh, that's what happened because uh, according to Dream of a Thousand Cats, that's what happened with human beings. Uh, a thousand human beings uh, all dreamt of having dominance and suddenly became um, the large size species and cats became small size species. So uh, this cat is now um, preaching to all of these cats that uh, if just a thousand of the a thousand cats could all dream uh, in the same night that uh, things are uh, have gone back the other way, then uh, then the cats will uh, uh, will once more return to their dominant status, and humans will be will turn back into pets, uh, which is one of those. You know, this was Neil's feminism parable, and well, okay, Neil. Uh, uh, whatever else you uh, uh, you manage to uh, accomplish out of this, um, you know, Cerebus is uh, was considered a very, very, you know, uh, popular and um, very, very influential uh, comic book. And now, you know, is completely unmentionable as is its creators. So it's one of those, um, as, it, as it says in, in Dream of a Thousand Cats, uh, dreams shape the world. Uh, but uh, I would, uh, I would say that it's more a case of no wise choices are made in a state of unconsciousness, um, which is, I think, what what Neil inadvertently uh, brought into the world, and uh, hopefully that can that can change back at some point. But uh, we don't really have uh, have a thousand people who are all all pulling in the same direction. We have a handful of people. Who think that uh, no, Dave Sim isn't a misogynist, and uh, Cerebus isn't a misogynistic work. Um, the 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 part uh, about uh, about Joseph uh, in uh, in the Torah, uh, I did pull out. It, it was it was one of those weird things because I started reading the Bible, uh, which was seemed like a coincidence and now seems more like synchronicity. Um, the uh, Genesis thirty seven um, uh, and Joseph uh, and Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet the more and he said unto them. Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaves arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about. Where's the next page here? And made obeisance to my sheep. 
And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. <laughs> and it's like, uh, as I say, I started reading the Bible in, uh, in 1996. And uh, this was uh, after uh, Neil was reading, reaching the height of his popularity and had uh, was the guest of honor, I think it was 1995, in, at the Chicago Comic Con. And uh, as the guest of honor, uh, his Neilness uh, came up with the brilliant idea, um, let's get all of these famous cartoonists and get them all to do comic strips about me. <laughs> and it's like, you could you could hear everybody who got pitched on this rolling their eyes and going, let's all do comic strips about Neil. And uh, as I say, when, <laughs> when I first read uh, the Joseph narrative in uh, in the Torah, uh, when I started reading the Bible in 1996, I went, I think I know this guy. <laughs> And um, how are we doing here? Okay, this is this is like 15 minutes already on uh, what uh, my my recollection of Jeff Tyler Part Two, um, uh, and I think where Joseph came from, and I do consider Joseph uh, an historical figure. He is uh, uh, one of the Twelve, one of the founders of the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, this came from the fact this is uh, the sins of the fathers being uh, visited upon the sons, and then uh, the son in turn visiting their sins upon their fathers, uh, because Jacob, uh, the usurper, um, uh, his uh, his father-in-law Laban. Uh, he, he makes a, an agreement with him that uh, uh, all of the uh, speckled and spotted cattle that are given birth, um, uh, those, those will be Jacob's, and Laban will have uh, the non-speckled and spotted cattle. Uh, uh, and you find out when you're reading uh, Genesis 30, uh, that um, he, that is uh, Jacob, removed that day the he-goats that were ring-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had white in it and all the brown amongst the sheep and gave into the hand of his son. And he said three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and the hassle and chestnut tree and pilled white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. 
and he set the rods which he had pilled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ringstrake, speckled, and spotted. Uh, essentially, what he's done is he's, he's made use of sorcery, made use of uh, uh, whatever this is with the uh, uh, the hassle and, and green poplar. And uh, this is how you create uh, ringstrake and, and spotted cattle. And covering for himself in uh, in chapter thirty one, um, Jacob is is saying to Rachel and Leah, uh, "I see your father's countenance, but it is not toward me as before." There's an understatement because Laban now has got virtually no cattle, and uh, uh, Jacob has all of the cattle. But the God of my father hath been with me. And you know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ringstrake shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ringstrake. Well, that's not true. <laughs> it's like you, you, you engineered a situation where they would all be straight to bottle, uh, spotted. Uh, Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given to me. And then he follows up with, and it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and I saw in a dream and behold the rams which leaped upon the cattle ring straight, speckled and grizzled. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here am I. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled and spriddled, uh, uh, speckled and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban do, uh, doeth unto thee. And I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. And it's like, that's really, really bad. You're making up a dream about God and using it as a cover story. So that's why Jacob produces uh, <laughs> Joseph, the, the, the singular master of dreams. It gets more intricate after that, but, but there you go. That was, uh, that was one of those. Okay, when, when Jeff started doing this, it's like, um, okay, Jeff, I don't, I don't know if you know why you're doing this. I suspect you don't know why you're doing this, but I think you're, you're a conduit for something else that's, uh, that's being directed at me. And, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's, that's, that's our cliffhanger. And, uh, part three, part three picks up, picks up from that. When, uh, when next I am remembering Jeffrey Allen Siler. You want to talk about TMI, there you go. There's TMI. <laughs> right. I always look forward to the times when I catch you flat-footed where all you can do is laugh and go, 
Right. Well, Jeff had a tendency to, you know, you know, he would you'd come up with an idea and you'd go, why? And that's actually my memory for next month, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... He was an inter- he was a very very interesting character that way because uh, just like you say just all of a sudden he would say something and it's it's not only uh, that's a very strange thing to say but it definitely leads to a why are you saying that right right okay. Now we are into uh, the formal please hold for uh, for Dave Sim. Uh, where are we here? Um, oh, I, I, I got my pages out of order, I think. We're still on page one. What's that? We're still on page one of my facts. Oh, that's what happened. I turned it over so that I could read my note. There we are. Thank you. Thank you, Manly, Manly Matt, for that. I, I only know because I have page one printed out so I could do the preamble. Okay, right, right. Uh, then, oh, uh, then we move on to the Manly Matt. Dow doesn't know nothing about this because Dave ain't told him yet, but he's going to tell us all right now section of the October 2023. Please hold for Dave Sim. And uh, actually, I'm going to turn that around and say, without giving us actual dollar amounts, um, this is this is the first um, uh, Kickstarter where uh, we got we've got Cerebus and Hell uh, creators uh, doing their own self-published Kickstarters. This time, David Birdsong with uh, the Marvel Man Bark. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Matt. Uh, looking at it, it's uh, it's just a little past uh, the one week mark, so about one third of the way through um, where we are, where we're recording this, and uh, when when this is up on uh, on a moment of Cerebus, we'll be about halfway through. Um, do you think, uh, given what you thought? Uh, was going to happen with the Marvel Man Bar Kickstarter. Do you think that David Birdsong is ahead of where you thought he would be at this point, just about where you thought he would be, or has got as uh, David Birdsong got some uh, some running to catch up, just like the number of units you're supposed to have to be producing at work that uh, you, you didn't get to. I know it's fully funded. But I also know that leading up to it, there was discussion of what should the funding goal be, and I I think because he had the uh, he had a preview version that people were looking at and and proofreading and you know stuff, and I think the the preliminary was like I want to say like six thousand, and and he's like ah, I'm gonna lower that, and I I can't remember if he lowered it to seven or. Hundred or two thousand, but whatever we lowered it to, it is funded. So the project is go. At this point, it's just the you know kicking up support and trying to you know beat the drum and trying to get you know you know the highest total we can. Uh, I forgot to send it, 
The banner on a moment of service has an image of service. It's like a head and shoulder shot where he's smiling and his one eye is a swirl. Because it, you know, it, it's one of those he was knocked off his game type images. But he's got both ears. And I can never remember where it's from. And I was going to send it to you to see if you went, oh yeah, okay, I know that page. Because the swimsuit bondage cover, which has not been revealed yet as far as I know, it's the, the image is covered with a Kickstarter K that says censored for grandma. Uh, when Birdsong sent the actual cover, I responded with, you got to use that head where service is obviously into it. And, right. And, right. And it's, the, the emails have been back and forth and nobody said definitively, oh yeah, we should do that. It's more of a, well, we might need you to find it. And it's like, I, I, I can't find where this is from because every time I look for it, I'm going, you know, it, it's the iconic service in the vest with the medallions, both ears. My brain keeps going, no, no, this is, this has to be from Guy's or uh, Rick's story where, you know, he's. He's shocked at something somebody says. I'm like, but he's got both ears. It's got to be before reads. And I, and, and I, it's one of those, you know, it's this circular thing of, you know, there's like, what, 3,000 pages in the first half of the phone books. You know, it's got to be one of them. And it's kind of a needle in a haystack. But right. uh, Jesse Herndon asked about, because uh, Birdsong threw on the Harper's Bazaar service the Emily variant cover as a add-on because he's got a bunch of them. And Jesse asked, do you have any more of the Batvark, a poet in the family variant? Because he kind of liked that one. <laughs> Birdsong came back with, that's from the Hobbs end of the uh, service and help pool. You got to ask him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's we, and we've got to be making these distinctions because these guys are now uh, self-publishing in their own little silo. Sorry, I interrupted. But but that's I I I have to I have to double check the numbers. I haven't I haven't been looking because it's I've been you know I've been putting the link up, but I'm not riding it as much because I was riding the Steve Peters, which ends today, and he he's fully funded. I just looked before the phone call and it, and he made it so. Tales of Sparky 4 is go. So yay! Yay, Steve. Uh, and James Windsor Smith is doing Papa Balloon and Cactus number three, and that ends the same day as Miracle Man Park. And it's like, we really got to start sending emails to each other and going, okay, I'm going to do my Kickstarter in October, end of September, beginning of October. Anybody else do it? Yeah, I... You can't limit people that way. It's the same as uh, we we had no idea that uh, Steve Peters was doing his Kickstarter at the same time that we started this one, and it's like, oh, okay, well, um, it's it's going to happen. I mean, uh, part of the idea here is to is to have uh, self publishers breed like rabbits, and uh, we're it, it, it is going to be overlap all all over the place. I know, but I, 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 I understand there's going to be overlap, but I just, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, let's try to avoid the massive overlap of, 
you know, the pot's only so big, let's not all stick our hands in at once. Right, right. Good luck with that. <laughs> okay, uh, then by the fact that they sent it to Manley, and therefore he can cut in line because we know about it, we move on to Lank Stevens and his question about working with a background artist. And uh, in parentheses, you have the answer Lank is that the background guy does his art after the foreground guy, or you use Photoshop to put the foreground stuff on top of the background. Um, however, you quote swing unquote. Uh, but here's Dave to read your question and say that in a longer and more detailed way with an actual real world experience answer. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask here. I, I did ask if you could. Uh, this was uh, posted to um, the weekly update uh, because Dave Fisher dropped it off. Uh, were you able to contact Lank so that so that he knows about this? Or uh, I haven't yet, but now that I know where to look, I will. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just post it as a comment or something, and we'll. Uh, We'll hope for the best. This is this one's going to turn into a, a series anyway. Of um, since the, this is, I think, it, this raises a number of important questions. But uh, we're just going to we're going to start with the basics uh, on on this one. Blank um, asks. Uh, I've read a, a question. I've written. 43 chapters of what will be a rather long self-published comic book, and I intend to draw the backgrounds while hiring somebody better than me who can render the characters. Could you describe Yosef when Gerhard and you worked like that on the level of crystal board or whatever? Uh, did you erase part of Gerhard to layer the characters on top or dot, 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 question mark? Uh, just trying to figure out how I would do such a two-man collaboration. Uh, if you have any suggestions, I'm all ears. Uh, okay, we have to, uh, in order to answer this, this question thoroughly, we have to get back to the, the, the essence of the thing uh, in terms of the reality of what, uh, what Lank's talking about doing. Uh, Lank, uh, at this point, you're the creator, writer, background artist. Um, so my best initial advice would be get as much done on your side as you can. Um, now that that's the situation, that, that's, uh, that's all that exists with this intellectual property is you as creator, writer, background artist, and owner of the intellectual property. Uh, uh, do all 43 chapters if possible. I don't know how long the chapters are, um, but as many chapters as possible um, to, to establish um, the, the, the fact of you being the creator, writer, uh, background artist. Um, that wasn't a planned thing 
with the uh, Gerhard as collaborator on on Cerebus. But it was the situation that I had done um, 65 or 64 issues of Cerebus solo and was now bringing on a collaborator. That's a very different thing from let's you and me sit down and do a comic book, uh, as was the situation, say, with the, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it, it, it's going to simplify matters and um, help you to, to, to get this um, intellectual property in, into a, 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 a state of realism. Uh, it actually exists if you make it actually exist, um, drawing it. Uh, it would certainly be odd to do uh, the, the backgrounds first, but if that's the way you're most comfortable working, it's your book. Um, you're, you're the only one who, who's working on it right now. The, the collaborator is, is theoretical at this point. Uh, assuming you're doing the storytelling and the lettering, um, and theoretically, I'll add in the panel borders and word balloons. Uh, it would be a matter of just outlining the character. Uh, the shape of the outline would tell the artist you're going to be hiring what to draw. You can then retouch the outlines or the artist that you've hired to do the characters could do that. Um, that would also tell you what sort of artist you're looking for. Uh, someone who just likes penciling and inking characters with zero interest in writing, lettering, uh, composition, storytelling, Photocopy, uh, uh, get it, as I said, get it, get as many pages done as you can on this basis where you're the guy, uh, writing the story, putting the panel borders on, putting the word balloons on, lettering and inking, uh, uh all of that, uh, photocopy 10 pages onto illustration board as a tryout. 10 pages would tell he or she and you uh, if you're viable collaborators. Um, arguably, like picturing this, it would make a good side hustle for someone if they can just bang out pages effortlessly. Um, unlike work where they're doing everything themselves start to finish uh, in the comic book form. You could be lucky enough to find somebody who's in that situation where they go, uh, if I'm just penciling and inking the characters, I don't have to think about uh, the storytelling. I don't have to think about uh, panel shapes, how many paddles are in a board uh, uh, on, a, on a page, um, how many panels I need to get this idea across. I'm not having to worry about any of that. That's all your job as uh, the creator, writer, and background artist is, uh, is to establish all of that. You could be very lucky and find somebody who goes, oh, hey, this is fun. I can do like uh, four pages a day. 
uh, I can do five pages a day if all I'm doing is penciling and inking the characters. You know, you give me the model sheets of what the character look, characters look like from all the different angles. I can see from the outline how much and what angle you're looking at the character, and kaboom, 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 kaboom. I can get, you know, I'm, look at me, I'm Jack Kirby. I can do five pages a day. Uh, if, it, if that is uh, what's, what's destined to happen with this, obviously, the more you have done, the faster it's going to go. If you just get the 10 pages done and give them the tryouts, He's apt to bang out the ten pages and go. Well, come on, come on, come on. Where's the where's the where's the pages up ahead? It's like, well, I haven't got them done yet. Well, come on. It took you, you know, it took you a year to find uh, your collaborator. You could have had uh, fifty pages done on your side, and you know now now you're just booting along, and very possibly you could have a uh, a monthly comic book out of this. So uh, that's that's my direct answer to what you're asking me uh, specifically about your situation. Here's here's where you need to start. And uh, in all capital letters, as emphatically as I can possibly make it, if you're going to do it this way, produce as many pages as you can. Whatever you can comfortably do. And uh, I'm assuming that this isn't isn't your job because you're talking about um, hiring an artist, which means you have an income from somewhere else. However much of your uh, disposable free time you have, start producing pages and uh, get as much of the 43 chapters down on paper as you can. Let's say that they're... Uh, 20 pages each, that means it's an 800-page graphic novel. How quickly can you get the 800 pages done so that uh, when you do find your collaborator, um, as much of the book is done as possible and you don't have to be worrying about, okay, what happens here? Uh, what, what happens in chapter 2021? You're way out ahead of them. And all he's doing is penciling and inking uh, the characters. So that's that's as emphatic as I can possibly be about. Uh, this is a very weird thing that you're asking me. It's, it certainly would be the first of its kind, a comic book uh, uh, written and drawn and composed and all the backgrounds inked. And the last thing that goes on is the characters. Uh, this, this, is, this is the approach that I would say that you need to take. I'm trying to think. I swear there was a series where it was basically that. You know, the writer, the writer, you know, had some artistic chops, but not enough, and he was getting somebody else to do the figures. I don't know, you know, what the process there was, but I'm trying to remember what creator it was or what series it was, and it's, I know there was one, I just can't think of what the title was. Well, there you go. That's that's a quiz for the uh, uh, Police Hall for Day Sim uh, listenership. Uh, if you can think what Manny Matt Dow is thinking of, uh, we will send you a we will send you a prize 
fun prizes. And then Dodger sent in, uh, no, now I'm looking for page three. There's page three. Here's page three. Okay. To the alliteration-y Manly Matt and the eminently famous Dave Sim. No, eminently famous, eminently notorious Dave Sim. Um, possibly, possibly accounted for by the dream of a thousand cats. Uh, great anchors in comics history. I'm reading Woodwork, a retrospective published in 2012 about Wally Wood. Uh, I know you've been influenced by Will Eisner, Al Williamson, and Neil Adams. Question, are there other great inker influences? Uh, practically without number, we, we have to... Um, the, 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 inking is a skill I have to, at this point, have to give uh, definite credit and very serious credit to uh, the existence of heritageauctions.com where we're all able to see uh, brilliant uh, spectrums of inking all in black and white, all, all the way that, uh, that the creator did it without uh, garbage, uh, world color, uh, rest color on top of it. And uh, I, I'm sure this is, this is bringing about a renaissance. We're just in the first... Uh, first two decades of, of heritage auctions and uh, on online scans of original artwork. And uh, this is going to uh, clarify for more artists than we could have imagined back in the 1970s and 1980s of this guy. This guy's inking is exactly what I see in my head and I can look at this on a computer screen and enlarge it 400 times and go, what does that pen line look like? What does that, uh, that brush stroke look like? Uh, which brings us to the, to the next part of, uh, of, of Mike's question, question. What makes a great anchor in, in your mind? Use of blacks, delicate line work, overall composition, where and when to use blacks, uh, is there a big difference between comic strip inkers and comic book inkers? Uh, I would I would narrow the frame of reference uh, on this uh, just because we're uh, we're already forty five minutes in, and uh, all, all of the, all of these uh, ever ever expanding questions uh, definitely eat up time. Uh, I would say let, let's limit it to uh, photorealism and let's limit it to uh, two examples of photorealistic inkers. Um, in, and let's limit it to, uh, to comic books. Uh, I would suggest... Um, Two of the best examples that I could cite, uh, if if you want if you want to take a look at this and uh, and go, okay, yeah, I I I know what Dave's saying here. Uh, the best example would be, and I'm looking forward to talking about this 
in uh, in Strange Death of Alex Raymond. When I get up as far as uh, the 1970s and 1980s, uh, in terms of a separate anchor, uh, the collaboration between uh, Gene Colan and Tom Palmer on Tomb of Dracula, and uh, playing playing along at home. If if you're asking what you know, what should I be looking at? Uh, I would suggest if you can get the uh, uh, Tomb of Dracula. What, what what does Marvel call their uh, uh, collect the, the black and white books, the their phone books? Uh, the essential collection. Essential books, right? Thank you, thank you. Uh, so if you can find uh, Tomb of Dracula essential, um, Tomb of Dracula ran um, uh, seventy issues, and um, it really, it really is a a remarkable series. And the best way to see it is in black and white. Some of the reproduction isn't. It isn't uh, heritage auctions level of quality, but uh, it is at least in black and white, and it's it's an amazing thing to look at if you're if you're familiar with Gene Colan as a penciler, um, and Gene Colan was you know did have a whole career in penciling uh, for Marvel Comics before the collaboration with uh, with Tom Palmer. On Tomb of Dracula, uh, it's uh, I, I I would love to be not only a fly on the wall but a fly inside of uh, Tom Palmer's brain when he got uh, Gene Colan's pencils on Tomb of Dracula and was looking at it going, and there's a lot of interpretation that needs to go in here. Uh, I can see what Gene Colan is doing, uh, but Gene Colan is, uh, is a very unique penciler. I, I, I describe him as the fisheye photorealist because uh, it's like looking at uh, uh, Gene Colan looked at the world through a fisheye lens, and um, it's all very, very accurate, but it's all very, very imaginative because he is making it up. Uh, this is what this looks like from this angle. This is uh, not only what this character looks like in a fish island. This is what uh, the background looks like in a fish island. And Tom Palmer was a very, very literalist, uh, Johnstone and Cushing style illustrator, uh, in addition to being a comic book inker. And what he was looking at and going, okay, it's all here in this part of Gene's pencil. Over here, it just sort of uh, drifts off into, uh, and then, you know, uh, the pencils look something like this. But in terms of my own inking, uh, speaking as Tom Palmer, uh, I am really, really precise. Like I'm way at the literalist end of things. What does this look like? So there's uh, not only uh, not only uh, Tom Palmer being faithful to Gene Colan's pencils, but then saying, okay, I have to take all of my chops and say, not only 
do I have to figure out what this uh, this chair and this uh, um, this room look like and behind the character, I have to figure out what they look like in a fisheye lens and then I have to ink them with uh, either a Hunt 102 or a Jalop 290 or whatever Tom Palmer was inking and say, this is exactly what this would look like in Gene Cohen's frames of reference. Uh, in addition to being a very fun comic book and a very fun uh, variation on Dracula, uh, page after page after page of this, just, just bear in mind when you're looking at it, uh, not all of this was here in pencil. And what Tom Palmer brought to the table and learned to interpret over the course of the 70 issues, I think it was a monthly title, so it was a good six years of uh, Tom Palmer going, okay, here it is again, and I have to do this as literally uh, as possible. You can't do that, and, you know, uh, 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 coupled with... Uh, uh, Marvel Wolfman's wonderful storylines and wonderful characters and intricacies um, interpreted from Gene Colvin's pencils since they were they were working Marvel style. You really can't do better than uh, than Tomb of Dracula. I'll find out that the essential volumes have been sold out for years. These are going for uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars on eBay because people have figured this out. But if they haven't figured it out, uh, definitely, uh, in terms of what you're 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 asking, Mike, uh, try and find Tomb of Dracula, Tomb of Dracula, essential volume, and uh, boy, just you know, read the story, but uh, just just look at uh, Gene Colan over to Palm Palmer, Tom Palmer, Tom Palmer back to Gene Colan. Can't do better than that. Uh, the other one that I would think of in that category is uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen on uh, Dark Knight Returns. And unfortunately, there you'll have to go to uh, Heritage Auctions and look at the scans because I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's a black and white version of Dark Knight Returns. Uh, there might be. They might have done an absolute edition that was black and white. Oh, is that what it's called, an absolute edition? Well, and the other thought is, for both these series, there may be artist editions where it's the art at size reproduced, you know, in the nice fancy $100, $200 hardcovers. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I'm not going to direct anybody in that direction but yeah if you have a bottomless bank account and you can find um, artist editions uh excuse me i'm drooling myself right here going an artist edition of tomb of dracula Ooh. or dark knight returns um artist edition Ooh. See, I, I'd be, I'd be going the cheap route. I'd be going, uh, okay, heritage auctions. Let's see how many auctions I can go through. Cause a lot of the, the Dark Knight Returns, uh, uh, artwork is, um, definitely coming onto the market, uh, pages that people bought for, uh, you know, 200, 
uh, $300 back in the 1980s from either Frank or, or Klaus Janssen are now going for tens of thousands of dollars, which does tend to bring them out of the woodwork. But uh, same, same, same basic principle. Uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen works together on, uh, on Daredevil. And I would be very curious. I don't know if, if uh, uh, there's any commentary that either of those guys have done on the work. Did Frank sit down with Klaus Janssen and go, okay, uh, you know, I see what you're doing on Daredevil and, you know, uh, two enthusiastic thumbs up on, on that one. Uh, but now I'm going to be doing this project for DC uh, called Dark Knight Returns. And um, I want you to be the anchor on it. And I'm going to be leaning into uh, what it is that you're doing, which is this this marvelous, uh, completely idiosyncratic uh, Klaus Janssen inking, where it's it's virtually all pen, some brush, but really, really spontaneous and. Uh, it's, uh, it was derived from Neil Adams. I mean, it was, uh, uh, okay, this is, this is very, very popular art style here in the, uh, uh, the 1980s. Um, all, all of us going, uh, I want to do Neil Adams, but I can't do Neil Adams because I'm not Neil Adams. So here's what I'm going to do, um, doing this extremely uh, pen-heavy, Klaus Janssen took everything to a uh, a place that it had never been before, and uh, as I say, I'm very very curious as to whether um, there was any kind of dialogue on it because I don't think there was any dialogue on the Gene Colan and and Tom Palmer collaboration. Um, it was just um, you know whoever the editor was said, uh, okay, here's Gene Colan's pencils. Uh, Tom Palmer's got some time. Uh, send this over and let's see what, see what comes up. And it's like, oh, really, really good. Let's see how long we can keep, keep uh, Tom Palmer on Tomb of Dracula. And uh, stayed on uh, throughout uh, the whole run. Um, in this case, Frank Miller was, uh, you know, okay, I'm doing Daredevil, but... Uh, if, if I get a chance to go from doing uh, Daredevil to uh, uh, doing Batman, um, I'm going to take it because Batman is kind of outside, outside Daredevil by orders of magnitude. So I think I can get some major royalties on this. Um, he would be in a situation where he could say, uh, Klaus Janssen's the anchor. Uh, he's, he's on my team. I don't want any question about that. Uh, I'm not going to ink it myself. Uh, you know, I inked Ronan myself, and no, I want uh, I want an inker on Dark Knight Returns, and I want uh, Lynn to do the coloring. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. And did Frank at that point go, okay, Klaus, uh, we have to talk about this. 
And uh, as I say, it, 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 have you read any commentary like that on uh, the collaboration between Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, what they had to say about it and, and what how it started? I haven't. I don't know if there is any or if it's... Or, you know, it's just something I haven't seen. There may, I mean, there may have been, like, wizard interviews back in the 90s. Maybe. Right. Um, so, you want the good news or the bad news, Dave? <laughs> Let's start with the bad news. Well, you know, you don't have limitless amounts of money, but there is an artist edition of... Tomb of Dracula that has six full issues in, you know, original art, black and white, reprinted in the nice hardcovers for like 125 bucks, but it's issues 25, 28, 36, 37, 46, and 48. The Prime stuff. Prime stuff. I'm sitting there picturing in my mind, okay, which ones would I want them to be? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's definitely in the range. That would be, oh, oh, I am drooling. I, I didn't know I was going to need a drool cup for this edition of, uh, of Please Hold for Dave Sim. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. Okay, yes, that is the bad news. What's the good news? Batman Noir, The Dark Knight Returns, black and white, the entire series, 28 bucks. Hey, now you're talking Dave Sim money. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I, I, I don't know if I'm telling tales of the school here, that uh, I think um, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen came to loggerheads at some point and maybe aren't comfortable talking about uh, how the collaboration went down, um, or at least how it ended up. Uh, but that's, uh, that's just an impression that, uh, that I have in my mind. But I, I, I would be, uh, I would be interested that, uh, like there is some commentary by Barry Windsor Smith in the, the Red Nails artist edition, but most of it is, uh, uh, not really too much commentary by him, uh, given the, the the impact that uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns had on the comic book field. Um, I I would I would really hope that uh, you know whatever commentary is there uh, for the sake of of future creators, uh, people who are saying uh, I I like a uh, a balance between cartoon realism and photorealism, both of uh, you know, which is what we're talking about with uh, with Dark Knight Returns. It is very, very exaggerated, but it is photorealistic riffs. Um, what was the decision making? Are are there pencils? Did did Klaus Janssen uh, photocopy Frank Miller's pencils before he inked them? And are there before and after? Because there's a lot of stuff you can learn from that. But uh, getting back to getting back to Dodger, he had. Uh, uh, how, how do you feel? <laughs> I put a, 
a box around feel, obviously, about Wally Wood's inking and and art legacy. Um, so it's uh, I, I do have uh, I think a salient observation about uh, Wally Wood's inking. Um, if you think of the uh, the assistants that uh, Wally Wood had, just uh, you know. Off the top of my head, uh, the top uh, guys in terms of where they went after being uh, Wally Wood's assistants, uh, Larry Hama, uh, Wayne Howard, uh, Dan Atkins, uh, Ralph Reese. Um, I think one of the one of the uh, Wally Wood's inking and art legacies that doesn't get talked about. Uh, very much at all, and uh, I think that's uh, that's dropping the ball on who Wally Wood was. Uh, was the strength of Wally Wood's inking? As soon as Wally Wood inked a job, uh, it might as well be a Wally Wood job because it was just that powerful an inking style. You look at it and you go. Okay, I, I know what that is. Uh, and it was, it was so dominant that, um, you know, the, the, the job that, that the assistants had working for Wally Wood was, uh, pulling out swipes from, uh, from the swipe file. It's like, uh, find me a girl's head and okay, here's, uh, uh you know, Stan Drake's uh, Heart of Julia Jones. <laughs> I always, always love Larry Hama's comment that uh, uh, the, the, you know the only Heart of Julia Jones collections that existed uh, back in the day when he was Wally Wood's assistants were were in Spanish. There were no English language Heart of Julia Jones, which is you know mind-boggling. <laughs> Larry Hama's reaction was. This Spanish guy, Stan Drake, he really knows how to draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of their job, you no, know, the job would be, I need a girl's head. You know, go look at uh, uh, the Heart of Juliet Jones collections, find a girl's head and uh, photocopy it and stick it down uh, on this page up ahead on this job that I'm working on. And Wally Wood uh, could trace uh, on, a, on a light table, or Larry Hama would trace on a light table, this Stan Drake head. And they're pretty distinctive. Like, uh, Juliet Jones looks like Juliet Jones. Eve Jones look like, looks like Juliet Jones. And you would, it would be a major challenge trying to make it not look like uh, a Stan Drake did it. And... Boom. As soon as Wally Wood sat down with uh, Larry Hama's pencils tracing of, uh, of an Eve Jones head, it's a Wally Wood head. And it's like, how do you do that? How could, how could you possibly? It was just, you know, the man was like an inking bulldog where um, as he saw it, um, as uh, you know, he's, he's Wally Wood and uh, this is going to be a Wally Wood job when it's done. He was, uh, he was a steamroller. And um, 
he turned uh, all of these very, very distinctive artists, Larry Hama, Wayne Howard, Dan Adkins, Ralph Reese, into steamrollers, where I see with Hollywood's eyes, because that's my job, and this is a background figure, and I know how to make this look as if uh, Hollywood drew it. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Wayne Howard in, in particular, Dan Adkins in particular, uh, saw through, uh, through Hollywood's eyes. And there, there is no other artist that I can think of what, that was in that category. Uh, Neil Adams uh, would have died and gone to heaven if he was capable of doing that to his assistants. Um, they all tried to look like Neil Adams, all of the, all of the crusty bunkers, um, working at Continuity Associates. But, uh, they, they, they all, they all started developing their own riffs. It's like, you could tell looking at a crusty bunker job. Uh, I think Neil probably did this. Uh, I don't think Neil did this. Um, but, uh, Dick Giordano was about the only only one at continuity with the crusty bunkers where you would go, is it Neil or is it or is it Dick? Um, but everybody else was, well, okay. <laughs> it got the job done and uh, Neil and Dick didn't have to have to ink all of it. Um, so uh, good good revenue for, for continuity associates. But in terms of the steamroller, uh, Wallywood was the only steamroller in that category. And it's a prayer time, so I'm going to have to interrupt and call you back in a little while back. Okay, that works. Talk to you in a few minutes. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Hello again, Dave. Hello again, Matt. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, got a frog in my throat for some reason. Um, okay, uh, next one is Jason Trimmer. Hello, Jason. Jason did the uh, e-books, well, curated the uh, e-books of Cerebus uh, art exhibit at uh, St. Bonaventure University back in uh, 2005, I believe it was. So, hello again, Jason. Uh, hi, Matt. For the past couple of years, I haven't been able to shake the thought that President Biden looks like Dave's depiction of Mary Hemingway in form and void. Is it just me? Uh, do either of you see it? Do you see it? Kind of, maybe. Dependent on the image and dependent on, you know, I'm just making a note of get a picture of Biden and then go through form and void and grab some images of Mary and, you know, we can do a side-by-side -side in the videos. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Uh, yeah, I, um, I think, uh, Jason, what you're referring to, and it is something that, uh, that I've noticed uh, again, I don't have, uh, I don't have television and haven't had television in, since 2001. So all of my, 
experiences of, uh, of President Biden are just uh, photos in the newspaper, which aren't uh, the best quality photos uh, in any in any situation. Um, but definitely, the the thing that you're I think you're referring to, and that I can I can definitely see in my mind's eye when I picture news photos of President Biden is um, what I would call this this sort of uh, white radiance thing that uh, Mary Hemingway had uh, had white hair white hair um, I think most of the period of time um, that that she was married to uh, to Ernest Hemingway uh, or it was uh, blonde hair which was was dyed um, so so bright that it might as well have been white and consequently you get this sort of glow effect um, depending on the on the the texture of the hair and I, I think this is true of, uh, of President Biden and uh, uh, Mary Hemingway that the, the texture of the hair is that it becomes uh, and, and the whiteness of the skin uh, doesn't differentiate itself. It's it's very hard to tell um, looking at either of them. Okay, where does the hair start and where does the skin end? Because uh, it's just um, so bright, and because of the texture of the hair, there's a a radiance. Um, to the hair that then makes it look as if the, the person themselves uh, have a kind of, of radiance. And um, also the uh, there's a, a quality I would describe as um, um, brutalized defiance, <laughs> uh, for, for want of, an, of another term where uh, the eyes become narrowed and rather unfocused uh, because there's just this, uh, this relentless quality to the person uh, in Mary Hemingway's case, case in the face of um, Ernest Hemingway's dominance. Um, Ernest is going to dominate, but I will always be defiant. Uh, it, there will always be a sharp distinction between um, Mary Hemingway and Ernest Hemingway, and that's never going to be uh, uh, eliminated. And in uh, uh, President Biden's case, uh, man, you talk about somebody who, who took the blows and kept going um, relentlessly, uh, driving towards president, and you know driving towards becoming a senator and uh, was never really well thought of, uh, you know, by, by Democrats. If, if you had to say before 2020, uh, who, could, who could possibly um, uh, become uh, pres president of the United States or a long-serving senator? Joe Biden would be very, very low on your list. Uh, my own theory is that uh, Bill Clinton <laughs> talked 
Barack Obama into making uh, Joe Biden vice president uh, to make sure that there would be no competition for Hillary in uh, in 2016. And it's like the perfect candidate was was Joe Biden. Nobody's going to look at uh, at Vice President Biden and say, well, he was vice president, so he's he's the natural president now. So uh, yes, I I I I can see physically and and metaphysically um, what it what it is that you're talking about. Uh, and then J- uh, Jason writes, that got me thinking. If Dave was working on Cerebus today, is there a contemporary political or literary figure he thinks would be ripe to lampoon? Uh, either because their features would make for a funny caricature or because their speech patterns would lend themselves to his lettering style. Uh, and then he adds, hard mode, no Donald Trump, um, who is basically Cerebus anyway, with a question mark. Many people tell me I'm the best prime minister. Uh, that's a, that's uh, an impossible question for me to answer um, because uh, I haven't had television um, since 2001. So, you know, when I uh, when I was starting to make use of the technology for exactly that thing, um, there's somebody that I want to do, and I want to do them accurately. Uh, the Three Stooges, um, you know, having having uh, VHS tapes of Three Stooges shorts and being able to play them and watch them frame by frame, you know, there's an idiosyncratic uh, Mulhoward um, body posture and movement. What does that look like frame by frame, and which one of them? of those am I going to pick uh, for this panel here to do the most iconic uh, Moe Howard. Um, I still I still have never heard uh, Donald Trump's voice, which I'm sure there's a number of people who envy, they envy me that. Uh, I, I still haven't uh, seen, um, you know, how, how Donald Trump moves. Uh, just as an iconic figure, uh, I think I would probably have to do Donald Trump. I can't think of, uh, of anybody who has so, so dominated um, his society, having attained to the presidency. And uh, I just had, because I've, I've only seen still photos of him and read his tweets, <laughs> which I guess are called X's now, um, that uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't get a mental picture, but it would be, uh, you know, somebody somebody that dominant and somebody that unpresidential in the um, conventional sense of president. He's, uh, uh, presidents are supposed to, um, smile like absolute fools, and it's very, very rare that you see any image of Donald Trump smiling. Uh, I did see a photo in the newspaper a couple of weeks back where it was um, him holding up the the hand of one of his picked candidates and celebrating his victory. That's the only time that I've seen a picture of Donald Trump smiling, and yet he's he's 
also the most incredibly successful president in terms of guy never ran for elected office anywhere. Started with president of the United States. Uh, something, something is up there, and uh, it would be interesting since you know he was president of the United States to say to have uh, an assistant. Uh, you know, okay, go on YouTube and find me a full figure of Donald Trump uh, moving, like walking into a meeting or whatever else. The only requirement I've got to have is it's got to be from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I gotta, I gotta know how his body works, uh, the same as I was doing with Mal Howard, and uh, to be able to watch that frame by frame and go, okay, there's only one Donald Trump, so odds are he only he he moves physically like no other human being on the planet. Uh, just because he has this this effect on people, giant, giant, giant negative effect, giant, giant, giant positive effect, um, and I've I've got to know know how he works. Um, it, it would be uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, like apart from the, the speech patterns, the, the physical Donald Trump. Uh, I think one of the things I found most interesting about him was also the unpresidential quality of "You're fired." <laughs> it was anytime anybody in his cabinet uh, wasn't, or, or his chief of staff, or whoever it was, wasn't living up to uh, Donald Trump's mental image of who they're supposed to be, his automatic reaction was "You're fired," which was the complete opposite of. Again, the presidential approach, where you don't want uh, cabinet secretaries resigning because it makes it look like uh, um, you, you 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 made bad choices, and we don't want a president who who makes bad choices. So the fewer resignations you have in the course of your administration, uh, the better your presidency is going to be. <laughs> it's like Donald Trump. Took the opposite tack. It's like these people are are lined up down the hall. They're lined up in in every direction, uh, just more than willing to jump into the place of whoever else it was. I got my pick of hundreds and hundreds of guys that uh, if I don't like the Secretary of State, hey, you're fired, and you you're now the Secretary of State, <laughs> and you're going to have about uh, three weeks to to prove to me that you're Donald Trump's. Secretary of State, and if you're not, you're fired. So uh, that's uh, that's as specific as I, as I can be uh, on that. I mean, it's like win, lose, or draw with uh, with Donald Trump. There's uh, there's a, there's only one of them, and it would be it would be very very it would be very interesting if Cerebus was uh, was still going to say okay. I've got to get him physically, and this is, you know, I've got YouTube to pick for on that, and just say, Rolly, here's what I'm looking for. Find me, find me footage of Donald Trump, uh, full figure, uh, coming toward the camera, going sideways, doesn't matter, as long as I can see uh, how his body moves and uh, um, how, how the suit re responds to how his body moves. He's, he's very idiosyncratic, and that would be the the physical side of it, and then uh, just 
<laughs> you're fired would be, uh, you know, what does it sound like when Donald Trump says you're fired? I never watched The Apprentice, so uh, I have no idea. It would, be, it would be interesting to break that down into uh, um, Dave Sim lettering. What is, what is, what is Donald Trump's you're fired um, look like as opposed to you're fired in a general sense? I mean, the, the best way to describe the way Trump talks and moves is Groucho Marx without the humor. <laughs> really? I mean, he, he's he got this... I don't like watching Trump just because he's Trump, and, you know, he, he, he's graded on my... I figured out why I've always kind of had an aversion to him is because... I was going through a box of old Mad Magazines and Cracked Magazines, and apparently the guys at Cracked made a joke about Trump in, like, every issue I own. And so, it really? just, you know, it just, I picked up on, a, oh, yeah, that Trump guy. It, it, like, like uh, there's one where their Cracked reporter is interviewing a parody of Trump and bringing up real world, hey, this is what's going on with this guy, and pointing out that, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that he divorced his wife, married his mistress, but his wife still helps run the company. And right. And so but but whenever he's in an interview, it's you know, someone'll ask him a question and you know, it's 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 a presidential style question of, you know, it's it's kind of a softball. We're gently lobbing it to you. You know, this is this is we're setting you up so you can talk about your policy initiative whatever and he would just like Either he would be nailing Jello, where you know you're asking him a, a simple yes/no question and he won't give an answer, or he'd be like a uh, dog with a chew toy, where you ask him a simple question and he goes off on a weird tangent, and you know is, is rapidly attacking whatever weird tangent he brought up, and it's like, okay, but the question was, you know, and and you watch right. enough interviews with right. him that after about the third one, you're like, anybody can do this. It's just either. I won't answer the question or I will divert the question to whatever I'm grinding against right now. Which is interesting. Yeah, you get that. Uh, I get that in the newspapers as well, where it's not only um, did he not answer the question, uh, not only did he go off on an oblique angle, there's no way to determine the connective tissue. Why did that steer him over in that direction, what what, what is what is Donald Trump seeing uh, in that question that says, "Oh, this is how I'm going to answer that one," which which is a kind of mystique uh, as well. It's uh, it, like you say, it, 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 there, there's nobody who's uh, who's going to make Donald Trump into Donald Trump uh, because. What you think is a softball question, and here, Mr. President, I'm just trying to help you. It's like, uh, now I have absolutely no idea what to say. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm trying to help, and you've answered that question in such a way that I don't even know how to get back to my question. I mean, if, if service was continuing, and if you introduced Donald Trump, it would, it would have to be one of these, you know, it would be a... He w couldn't become a reoccurring character because then the book would be about that character. It would, you know, 
it would have to very much be a service rides into the town, meets this guy, and at the end of the issue, he rides out of town and never goes back. Right, right. I mean, right. When, when you were reading Jason's question, I'm going, okay, who as a fan would I have liked to have seen? And honestly, a post-car accident Stephen King, I think, would have been a really interesting character to introduce. And, you know, because the way Stephen King moves since the accident, because he broke his hip and broke ribs and stuff, you know, he moves different than he used to. And he was a big, tall, lanky guy to begin with. So now he's a big, tall, goofy-looking, lanky guy when he walks. And and I could, you know, there's the main accent, so you'd have fun lettering that. That would be good, yes. And, yes. and he's been photographed a couple million times, so you could, you know, really lean into the, the latter days, last day photorealism of the character. I mean, I'm like, that could be cool. Uh, I mean... Let's be honest, Dave, as the guy who did 26 issues of Glamour Puss, any cute pop singer probably could have made it into the book for pages and pages and pages, and Dave wouldn't have complained. <laughs> but we know that's a different thing entirely. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, no, if, if you're going to be using these skills, uh, again, you and Jason... Um, and I think every service band have, have mental images of um, not just like I want to see Dave riff on this on this character uh, on this actual person um, not just because of how she looks but uh, because of okay what does Dave Sim see when uh, he looks at Jimmy Carter what does Dave Sim see when he looks at uh, at Margaret Thatcher. And, um, it, it, yeah, it was, a, it, it definitely narrowed itself frequently by, okay, I, and I'm not just going to do this to go, look at how ridiculous this person is. Um, it's like, no, every, uh, all prominent people definitely have an easy, ridiculous side to parody, but, uh, they also have, uh, how they see themselves and how the people uh, who admire them see them. And uh, that's, uh, that was definitely one of the, uh, in the modern terms, the skill sets that, uh, that I developed in, in service in myself was, no, it's got to be a balance here. You can't, you can't just be going, ha ha, you're ridiculous. And you can't be going, okay, uh, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Uh, but you've got to have you got to have both both of those both of those elements in there. Okay. Uh, moving on to Kristen Kristen Hunwinson. Hi Kristen, and thank you always for your patronage. Uh, one of one of one of the great 2023 uh, Dave Sim art patrons. Uh, I have multiple questions pertaining to Dave's creative processes. I really enjoyed the duo shade used on Cerebus. Throughout his entire run, it gave him a consistent, gray, textured tone. And you point out, I think he means zip-a-tone, uh, a.k.a. Letraset. Um, actually, Letratone. Letraset was uh, with the letters. Uh, how is this product applied? It appears to be perhaps a sticky sheet, uh, especially cut around every service figure. Or was it ever just developer brushed onto a special type of paper board? 
No, that is duo shade, but I never, I can't think of a duo shade Cerebus that I did, even when I did uh, duo shade in uh, issue number 12, uh, the Cerebuses were all st still done with Letrachone. I imagine it was a very tedious process, but it looked great. Uh, do you still have any duo shade? Uh, I don't have the duo shade. I do have some Letratone, um Had a bad, a bad experience with 30% Letratone back in the early 2000s that has made me very gun-shy because uh, the adhesive um, turned out not to be adhesive enough even when you burnished it down and hated to do that with any piece of artwork. Nobody is going to want to get a piece of artwork with a toned cerebus on it that then st starts peeling up around the sides. And as, um, as Sean Robinson discovered, uh, remastering uh, the artwork, the, um, uh, the plastic uh, shrinks. So uh, that's another thing that you don't want for posterity. Better to have an albino cerebus where um, that cerebus is still it is still going to look the way it looks now, 100 years from now, than, uh, well, it's still cerebus, but his tone has, has shrunk. Um, it's, it's a, yeah, it comes on a backing sheet, which is just like... Uh, uh, sort of like wax paper on one side and ordinary paper on the other. And it's a film. It's a very, very thin, transparent film that uh, you can see through. And uh, the dots are printed on the one side. So what you do is you take uh, an X-Acto knife and putting the Letratone sheet over the page, you can see the shape of Cerebus through the, um, the, the backing paper and through the, um, the very, very thin self-adhesive film. And you cut around it in a general shape. And then, uh, so that it, it's going to include all of, all of Cerebus. And then uh, you stick the X-Acto knife into the seam that you've just cut, and then carefully pull the electrotone uh, uh, the off of the backing sheet, move the backing sheet away, and then carefully place the tone on the cerebus figure, and being very, very careful not to get any bubbles under there, because if you get bubbles under there uh, and you try and smooth them down, uh, sometimes the, you get a ripple, and now you've got a line through your electrotone, and you have to start over again. Uh, but once you do that, once you've got it on there, okay, it's now covering the figure. I've carefully placed it, and uh, now I, I want to smooth it down, but not too heavily so that it's adhering and it's going to peel up the artwork uh, when I have to peel it up. And but firm enough so that it's sticking there, and I'm now cutting out uh, a long service ear and the curve on the bottom of the ear, the side of the face, around the mouth, around the snout, and uh, with a sharp enough exacto knife, 
so that it's uh, cutting the tone, but it's not cutting into the artwork because it's it's an inked service and it's very easy to cut into the inking, and now you've got a uh, a cut um, through your carefully inked service nut. So it's a real balancing act of it's got to be this this heavy to make sure that it's doing this, not too heavy so that it's uh, sticking too hard, um, cutting so that it's a very specific cut, and when you peel up the uh, uh, the adhesive film, it's going to stay in place, but um, not so much that uh, when you peel up the uh, the film itself, the, the part that you're cutting away, uh, it doesn't peel up the artwork with it. So uh, you <laughs> you want to talk about a very tedious process? Yes, it's a very tedious process, and uh, I think I'm pretty sure Gerard and I both count ourselves very very lucky that uh, we will never have to do that again for uh, for the rest of our lives. Uh, artistically, what do you believe is your greatest strength? Uh, I would say probably the storytelling. The uh, Transition, transition from panel to panel, uh, so that um, you are reading it. Uh, the story reads smoothly, as Kim Thompson said in the earliest review, like a skilled driver driving you through uh, through streets at a high rate of speed. Um, that's just instinct. I don't think that's something that you can uh, you can learn. You can, but it, uh, mostly it's a matter of development. You either have have that in your mind where you break things down into uh, long shot, close up, wide panel, um, closing in, uh, cryptic, um, silent panel in the middle, uh, breaking reality down into comic book panels. Uh, Self-critical weakness. Just can't get the artwork sharp enough. I'm just not a sharp artist, and the more that I work on uh, on photorealism, um, looking at Alex Raymond magnified, Neil Adams magnified, Stan Drake magnified, uh, Al Williamson magnified. The guys work; their, their work is so crisp. How do you how do you get that? How, how do you uh, I'm getting better at it, but boy, it's got to be under the magnifying lamp, and it's got to be filling in solid blacks almost to the edge, and then filling in with uh, um, Hunt 102 pen nib so that I can get it as sharp as Dave Sim can get it, which is just dull, dull, dull compared to the to the real uh, photorealist. And for those guys, it's just, it's a brush stroke. Um, you do it smooth. Don't do it rough. Do it smooth. I'm just, I'm just not a smooth guy. Uh, this is perhaps a long shot, uh, but do you foresee any more tours, uh, conventions in your future? Uh, no, definitely not in terms of best uses of grandpa's time in his late sixties. Uh, there's just way too much stuff that needs doing 
and um, conventions, signings, tours, even if it was something here in town, even if it was something just uh, getting driven to Toronto, um, that's just too much dead time. That's, uh, you know, an hour down to Toronto and then, you know, 40 minutes checking into the hotel and then, uh, you know, over to the convention. It's uh, our hours are precious. Uh, minutes are precious. Seconds are precious. I, I don't have any, anything that I would describe as uh, downtime. I'm never going, okay, uh, now what am I going to do? Everything is, this has to be done to try and keep me healthy. Uh, this has to be done in order to accomplish as many of the things that I have left to do, depending on how much time I have left to me. Um, I'm sure I would enjoy a convention. I would enjoy signing, but uh, just bad, bad use of the time. <laughs> Matt says, I'm going to say no, Dave. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the bottom line on that one for multiple reasons. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Kristen Hundwitson, and thank you, Kristen. And then uh, Michael R. Uh, hi, Matt. I picked Reed Waller's birthday as an answer only because I Google search comics history on August 3rd. I noticed that Dave drew an Omaha, Omaha the Cat cover for Reed. Uh, that, yeah, that was uh, images of Omaha for uh, Kitchen Sink uh, as a benefit for Reed Waller when he was having health problems. I picked August 3rd because I think that was the day you were calling Dave that day for Please Hold. Uh, so I thought it would have been uh, a cool answer when one of you would have figured out that Reed's birthday was the same day as the phone call. And it's like... Yeah, you, you, you were very helpful in that sense because I'm going uh, <laughs> dragged into uh, a month and I still don't know uh, what I'm going to say about this. It's like, ask Matt. Matt is sitting at a computer. Matt, Matt can uh, uh, Google search, search, read Waller, and would have picked up uh, August 3rd right away. So... Uh, now I'm and now that's in my my mental toolbox of uh, please hold for Dave Sim assets. If there's something that you can't think of, ask Matt. It'll take him take him a couple of minutes to Google search, but uh, fill in some dead air and uh, Bob's your uncle. We we would have known that uh, uh, August third um, was uh, was Reed Waller's birthday. Uh, I thought that would have been funny. It is funny. It would have been much funnier if I if I had known. Okay, this is an over to Matt thing. Uh, when is Reed Waller's birthday? Uh, which would have then morphed into its own rabbit hole, uh, Dave Sim comic art metaphysics. Which uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still astonished at the fact that uh, uh, we're we're all in this. Uh, comic art metaphysics context, and you had no idea when you picked August 3rd 
because it was Reed Waller's birthday uh, and because it was August 3rd, you had no idea that uh, it was August 3rd, 1949, and that Dave Sim has been laboring tirelessly for six months on uh, the many deaths of Margaret Mitchell, um, all of which took place August 11th, 1949. It's, uh, that's, that's amazing that uh, those two things occurred simultaneously. Well, not simultaneously, but within two weeks. Within eight days. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're you're being you're being comic art metaphysics resistance to a to a, um, a, a a point that fail of human understanding as far as far as I'm concerned. But that's that's differences in people too. Benjamin Hobbes is like that. It's uh, you know. Um, the, the, the walking, uh, the Varking Dead was uh, the 37th issue of Service in Hell, and it was around my 37th birthday, but it didn't come out on my 37th birthday. It's like, come on, guys, work with me here. Well, well, anyway, go it, ahead. It's not a bullseye, but it's still really close. It's really close. Um you know, close enough for uh, government work and close enough for uh, atomic weapons. Uh, and then uh, Michael R. follows up with uh, my answer this month uh, for this month is Dick Tracy by Chester Gould. And uh, my question attached to that would be what comic strip detective drawn in a primitivist cartoon style always had a level of popularity orders of magnitude greater than Secret Agent X-9, which William Randolph Hearst paid Dashiell Hammett, the Dashiell Hammett, and Alex Raymond boatloads of money to directly compete with. The answer is Dick Tracy by Chester Gould and major props for Chester Gould on that. It's like, uh, it's not about um, a best-selling novelist and uh, the most realistic cartoonist. It's about this, this thing in my head, this element, this part of being Chester Gould that when I sit down and do Dick Tracy, it's going to blow that out of the water, even though my drawing ability and my writing ability is probably not above, much further above Ernie Bushmiller's Nancy. So, yeah, on you guys. Um, there, this, this, is, this is a mysterious thing, and uh, uh, I can't explain it, uh, but it's right there in front of you. You can throw giant piles of money at unbelievably talented people. And they're never going to be able to complete compete with uh, Chester Gould, uh, decade after decade after decade. Uh, Michael R. then says, when I received the last day hardcover Kickstarter, I also received the last day widescreen auction catalog, second printing. First thing I noticed was that it was a bit thinner than the first print. The ones auctioned off were missing. 
will there be a third printing and will there be new additions to the catalog? And as you say, yes, there is a third printing. Um, the uh, last day widescreen auction catalog and the idea of auctioning um, widescreen Raymark editions at a moment of Cerebus, uh, both of those were post um, Turtles 8 Kickstarter, uh, actually during the Turtles 8 Kickstarter, where, okay, this isn't bringing in, um, I am now fixed for life amounts of money. It's bringing in large amounts of money, but uh, uh, keeping it in perspective, I've got to figure out other ways uh, to make money. Uh, that was one of those, this should work. <laughs> the uh, Amolita service is like Service HQ, um, probably in competition with the Service Facebook page. Um, don't know which would be the more popular in that. Um, here's a catalog with one-of-a-kind uh, Dave Sim um, color pieces, widescreen Dave Sim color pieces, and we're going to auction them at a moment of service. Presumably, this is like a license to print money. <laughs> it's like we have certainly just found out that it's the opposite of that. I think you would have to agree. It's a license to ask for money. <laughs> I mean, it's a license to get a bunch of blank stares, even if the amount of money being asked for turns out to be, uh, okay, I have $10 and I get $11. Well, and part of the problem was I didn't get the catalog right away, so I didn't know when I was supposed to be putting stuff up. And then it, w it was one of those, you know, like Michael got it, so Michael's asking, it's like, I, I don't know. You know, I kept saying, I, I don't know. If I, if I knew, I would... And now it's, I got... You know, I got the catalog. I have the list from Rolly of what still is at the Off-White House, or actually out in Camp David. And I could easily, you know, okay, let's start doing let's get the ball rolling, start doing this. The problem is, is there the heat there of people going, oh, yeah, I'm interested in this, or is it a, no, no, that was six months ago. We, we don't care about that. And it's like, well, okay, but now I have the information. Right. So I think the right. next, I, I did say after the $10 one that just sold of, the next one will not be fear of missing out. It's going to be a, I, I'm trying to figure out how I phrase this nicely. Um, Guido wants you to get in the car and go for a ride. You might want to throw money at him so that he doesn't do that. Right. You know, we're not going to break your kneecaps as long as you buy one of these for a set amount of money. You know, it's it's what's what's yeah. what's the what's the basement level of sales that everyone feels comfortable making? Uh, not ten dollars, much higher than ten dollars. Like fifty, sixty. I mean, we'd like them all to go for four hundred and ninety-seven dollars, but we also understand that's not going to happen every time. Right. Right. Which is which is interesting in itself. 
that uh, that that is the case. I think uh, th this will be a, uh, a a thing that will that will cause great wonderment in <laughs> the Cerebus uh, the Cerebus fandom uh, years and years from now, <laughs> where people are, are going to be going. I could have got that for ten bucks. <laughs> well, and that's. I think, Why didn't anybody else get it for ten bucks? And I think I, I think part of the problem is uh, uh, I'll be interested to get your take, uh, but I'll just interrupt to say one of the problems was that I sent one to each of the brain trusts, and consequently each member of the brain trust has one of these, uh, and that pulls the whole marketplace momentum. If you, if you take those 10 people and say, here's a free one, uh, they're now over in the oil painting category. They're just staring at you going, uh, I already got mine. Well, it, I think part of it is that each one is just unique enough that it it's not like, well, you know, we know there's X number of them. You know, this one's nice. But is it as nice as the one that's coming in two weeks, or supposed to be coming in two weeks? You know, and it, it you know, at, at one point, when I got, I got, uh, Rolly sent me all the images, but not, you know, it wasn't the catalog, it was just, these are the covers we have. And I was, I numbered them one through, I think, 16, and I'm like, okay, anyone can throw out a dollar amount, and if it's high enough, I'll, I'll say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take that. And... Michael was one of the guys going, well, I'm like, there's a page that you want, or if there's a cover you want, let me know, and, you know, I can make this happen. He's like, well, I kind of like this one, but I kind of like that one. And I'm like, okay, well, right. pick right. one and throw a crap load of money at it. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious when I list the next one, because I'm just going from, you know, the ones I know haven't sold in the catalog, from the beginning of the catalog, to the... Uh, to the uh, what what's left, and I'm just you know I'm going from page one to the end, and it, it's I'm kind of interested in to, as uh, okay, so you know is one gonna pop and all of a sudden everybody's oh yeah that's the one I want, and it's right you know I hope so, but at the same time you know I I mean what's I guess the, the at a certain point it becomes what's plan B if nobody you know, like the uh, the I think it's page one where it's the early one that, you know, it's been so long since you had drawn old service, you forgot he only had one ear. And it's, I'm thinking, well, that's a rarity that, you know, if you're into rarities, that's a rarity. And I right. put it up and right. everybody went, meh. And then nobody bit on it, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's try this with the next one. Right, right. It's, uh, uh, and from my point of view, it's like uh, they're already done, and it's like it didn't work the way I hoped it would work. It did work pretty much the way I thought. You know, the likelihood is this is this is how it's going to go this way. Uh, it's it's this ongoing. Um, you can get something for really really cheap that actually is probably going to go for major bucks. You know five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever else. This is, this is a thank you for being a regular viewer 
of a moment of service. Um, it, it, I mean, part of me is going, okay, why why doesn't somebody go, okay, that'll that'll sell this to me, <laughs> really? You know, at this point, if I if I can bid like forty bucks or thirty bucks and say I want that one, it'll be like okay. For Matt, that's another one that he doesn't have to worry about. There you go. And it's like, okay, now I got it. I'm going to put it up on eBay. Uh, presumably, it would go for more than 30 bucks. Or, 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 or is the uh, um, the kill radius on this just so massive in 2023? It won't even work on eBay. You know, it won't work at, at heritage auctions. If you tried to do one of them and started at a dollar, you couldn't get a dollar for it. Well, I know that one of them was at heritage, but it was, it was one of those. I was like, oh yeah, I gotta keep an eye on that. And then you know, original art pages were dropping. Uh, you know, you know, it, I just got a notification email that uh, page three of. Naruto bus is going up, and page one or page seven preliminary from Sodor, and I'm going. Well, see, that's the problem is you know if something something big drops and it sucks all the life out of you know we're not going to watch that auction. We're going to be watching the big auctions. It's like you know, and I'm going, and I'm, in my head I'm going, okay, just check Heritage every couple of days. I mean, it used to be right. that I would throw in a token bid that would get blown out of the water, but you can only do that so many times before you're like, this is kind of starting to hurt my head. Like, I know I'm not <laughs> going to get this. I know I have, I and mean, this is a, because I always in my head go, okay, what's the maximum I can safely bid where I won't get killed when it shows up in the mail? Right. And and it's like, that's eh, about... With the buyer's premium, one hundred and fifty bucks. Anything more than that, and I'm going to have some splaining to do. So, but it's like the, anything service that goes on Heritage is not going for one hundred and fifty bucks. It will at least blow that out of the water. It might not. It might be one of these where I could have had it if I bid five bucks more. But eh, most of the time, it's you know somebody is hunting on Heritage, and it's like so if if we put the last day remarks, you know. Is there somebody that's going to be, oh, yeah, or is it going to be more of a, well, you know, that's the nickel and dime stuff, and, you know, we're going to the high rollers table. Yeah, and it, and it also, anytime you do multiple anything, the first one sells for the most amount of money, and then it starts dropping from there. That's that's sort of like a hard and fast rule for for art of, uh, of any kind in the comic book field, and particularly with... Uh, with Cerebus and Dave Sim. Um, I think it was Benjamin Hobbs that commented on that with um, variant covers and things like that. The first one that goes up on eBay goes for the big bucks. And then it's like, well, okay, if you just waited till the third one went up, you could get it for uh, for a quarter of that or a fifth of that. Very, very, very mysterious process anyway, but uh, um, definitely, Definitely entertaining, and uh, we do have a future on these in terms of if you're listening to this and going, yeah, where is my head at? I can get one of these for like 40 bucks. Get one for 40 bucks and not be saying, you know, 
20 years from now, you know, I could have gotten one of those for 40 bucks. And it's like, oh, yeah. No, I can I can prove it to you. Here's the here's the whole history of the uh, uh, the widescreen uh, auction catalogs, even the catalogs themselves. It's like I've got uh, probably the only uh, thirty or forty um, volume, uh, third printings uh, that exist. And when I'm looking for something else back at Camp David, uh, I'll run across them and go. Oh, yeah, those will probably be incredibly rare someday for the people who've got uh, first printing and a second printing. I should do something with them. And it's like, until I'm looking for something else out back at Camp David, uh, I'm not going to see them again. And the same thing goes through my head. Um, as Puck said, what fools these mortals be? I mean, I, 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 I keep putting the link up for, you know, Here's where to get the last day through Diamond. Here's how to where to get the uh, the uh, remarks through service downloads. I'm trying to remember what the third one is. Then the last one is, and here's how to get the you know here's the link to get the catalog. Because I I originally had said when the catalogs first started coming out of, if you want a copy of all of these, you can get the catalog and you'll have all the sketches. You know if that's all you care right. about is the sketches. Here you go. Here's Here's a book, all of them in it. Now, if you want a specific one, well, okay, that that's slightly more money. Right. Hopefully. Right. Yes. Yes, that was my theory as well. <laughs> there are so many Dave Sim theories that look so good on paper uh, when you come up with them. And then you go, ah, uh, that one just didn't fly. That was uh, uh, the classic Led Zeppelin, kaboom. Uh, okay, I'm coming up on uh, on the last prayer time. We have Chris Warner, and Chris, I appreciate you uh, checking in here. For people who aren't aware of Chris Warner, he is uh, the best represented author, uh, second only to Dave Sim, in the Cerebus archive, because the guy is just so darn productive. This would be a uh, a good chance to just do a lap dissolve of all of Chris Warner's books, which uh, are now stored in Camp David. I used to have them um, in the, the Off White House library, and they just started taking over an entire bookshelf. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen a uh, whole lot. Uh, Chris Warner's books, always recommended. Um, if you want to, if you want to know the only time Dave Sam gets the experience of doom scrolling, read Chris Warner's books. Uh, Chris Warner commenting on uh, current history and recent history. Uh, you just, you just can't, can't get uh, a better 2023 zeitgeist. Uh, manifestation than Chris Warner books. Just a question, is the throwing a baby seen anywhere on a moment of Cerebus? And has baby Yoda ever said, quote, get what you want or not get what you want. There is no happiness, unquote. Matt says, I think maybe the baby throwing pages are around Amon. You want to add to that one? I, I've figured out today how to find out. I just gotta, there's, 
on the on the page there's a, a section of labels and you know every post gets a label unless birdsong sneaks in and posts something and then there's no title no label it's just whatever he's posting because he doesn't understand how it works <laughs> and that's when you go birdsong yeah every, pretty much every time i'm like you could at least put a title on it but uh one of the labels is church and state one and if I posted it, it would be tagged with Church and State 1. So I'm going to look. And if it's there, I will put the link in when I post this. And if it's not there, it'll be there Sunday or Monday. Okay. All right. Well, you you can't do better than that for the, for the money that you're paying, Chris. So uh, uh, bear that in mind. Okay. Like I say, prayer time's coming up. So I'm going to run along all my best to Paula and uh, Janice Pearl and Bullwinkle, as always. And uh, God willing, we'll do this again next month, Matt. Well, the, the, only, the only wrinkle in that is, in two weeks, I'm flying to Disney for a quick three-day, hey, we found cheap tickets with, with the wife and kids for her birthday. Uh, and while I am getting on an airplane... It's not that I have a fear of getting on an airplane. It's just uh, it's better to have a plan and not need it than need a plan and not have it. So I will be swearing in Brian as the new editor until I get back, you know, because he's basically my vice president, you know. Right. And so, God willing, and the planes land correctly, I will be here next month and we will talk. And, and if anything goes wrong, you'll be talking to Brian. And he'll be going... How do I do this? And cursing my name. That's right. Well, always something to look forward to in the world of Sarah's fan. Have a good night, Matt. Have a good night, Dave. Bye. Bye. And now, for all of those who stayed till the very end, a special message for the members of the Little Orphan Aardvark Secret Society. Set your decoders to A equals A. This is a Steve Ditko's Mr. A code. Nine. I. Diamond. Diamond. X. Five. Spade. Zero. E. I. Space. One, zero, diamond, Taurus, space, M, spade, eight, I, space, one, M, space, Taurus, one, seven, space, I, zero, six, I, four, I, S, X, space, Taurus, one seven space a diamond diamond q space v seven six x space m four i i v spade i space infinity i six five space Six, yin yang, I, space, V, spade, infinity, space, two, four, 
spade, Gemini, I, space, nine, spade, six, yin-yang, space, Libra, Scorpio, C, space, two, six, five, Q, space, E, one, zero, infinity, four, A, six, seven, space, diamond, A, six, spade, one, zero, five, space, six, one, space, yin-yang, Spade, skull and crossbones, X, space, A, zero, S, space, A, diamond, diamond, space, six, yin-yang, I, space, four, I, five, six, space, one, M, space, Taurus, one, seven, space, I, zero, six, four, A, zero, six, five, Q. I may have forgotten some spaces, but you'll figure it out. Last one out, turn out the lights.